afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is it not the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. If you will allow me, I want to take a few moments this morning to speak about uh, dealing with trials and troubles and the things that we cannot forget when we deal with them. And so I've titled this message, Don't Forget the Chains. Don't Forget the Chains. So if you'll pray with me, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this word, God. I thank you for this opportunity, and I'd ask you bless the word and bless those that hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Amen. While all of Egypt was mourning after the incredible events of Passover and the judgment of God, the Hebrew children marched out of Egypt under the direction of Almighty God. They marched away from their bondage, away from the chains that had them bound, away from the cruel taskmasters that beat them. It was an incredible atmosphere to those who had been slaves their whole lives, living in that terrible condition where their will, their will was completely swallowed up by the will of another. Never having a simple taste of freedom, always being subject to the demands of another. And now for the first time ever, they were free. They walked out of Egypt of their own free will. The sting of the whip was left behind. The demands of the overbearing guards were silent. The re relentless labor for centuries drifted away into the horizon behind them. They must have rejoiced in those moments just after their liberation. To further solidify the impact of that moment, a visible manifestation of God settled over them. By day, it was a giant cloud. It was a cloud that protected them from the heat of the sun and literally served as their guide on this wilderness journey. God was literally and visibly leading them out of Egypt and into the wilderness. That preaches right there. And when night fell, the pillar of cloud turned to a pillar of fire, and the Hebrew encampment felt the warmth of God's presence in the cool of the desert night. The mighty God who had delivered them was present. He was leading them. He was guiding them. He was watching over them. He was providing for them. What an incredible sense of security and confidence to know that the footsteps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That God is overshadowing you and aware exactly where you are. This sense of freedom went on for three days. Egypt was left behind them. The glory of the Lord was before them. And the people of God were on the move toward the promise of God. But on the third day, as they drew near to the Red Sea, 
the Lord told Moses to change course and camp at a place called Pihahirath. Spent a lot of time practicing that. Which in Hebrew means a place of liberty. It was there as they were encamped at a place called freedom that their enemy finally caught up with them. Suddenly a dust cloud on the horizon announced the approach of Pharaoh's army. God had hardened the heart of Pharaoh and in a fit of rage he was determined to reclaim all those who had walked out of Egypt. His own magicians and leaders had begged him, leave Israel alone because their God had already demonstrated repeatedly that Egypt's gods were no match for him. It says in Exodus 14 and 4, and it tells us why God had hardened Pharaoh's heart. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them, and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. The trial was to be for God's glory. Trials are sometimes for God's glory. As the horses and the chariots became visible to the naked eye, it seemed that the Hebrews were literally caught between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army. There, in a place called Freedom, the enemy that once ruled them sought to assert dominion over them again. Aren't you thankful for the delivering power of God? Amen. Lifts us up out of that miry clay, out of that dark place. Do I have some testimonies in here of that? Amen. I'm thankful that the Lord causes me to camp in a place called liberty, where there's no more chains and no more bondage of sin. But if truth be told, the enemy will stalk you in a place called liberty. He will pursue that which was once his. And he will seek to bring you back under his dominion and his authority. The Hebrews must have been shocked that Pharaoh's army was still pursuing them. They're still pursuing them after they've been gone for three days. But what that tells me is that the enemy who once controlled you has no greater desire in the world than to catch up with you and make you his again. He will come. Temptation will strike at your weakness. Your faith will be tried and your newfound liberty will be challenged. The devil's an opportunist. He doesn't fight fair. 1 Peter 5 and 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He will wait until your back is against the wall until you are tied up in the affairs of life, when you are at a low place, when you are weary and tired, come on now, that's when temptation comes. That's when your faith is questioned. That's when he tries to lead you back into the chains of bondage. The exodus was all about leaving the chains behind. Pharaoh's pursuit was all about putting them back in the chains. The Lord delivers you from bondage and walks with you in a place called freedom. But your enemy will pursue you in an effort to take you back to Egypt. They should have trusted the Lord. 
They should have risen to the occasion and said, it was the Lord that delivered us from Egypt. It was the Lord that delivered us from this place, and now the Lord will preserve us from the fiery trial that has come upon us. Think about it. All the wonders that the Hebrew children experienced in Egypt. I mean, it's astounding. Ten miraculous plagues. The river water had been turned to blood. Frogs were coming from the river and blanketing the land. That's alarming. Lice swarming over the land. Swarms of flies covering the land. Egyptian cattle dropping dead. Boils breaking out across Egypt on both man and beast. Hail and fire raining down from heavens. An infestation of locusts. Darkness covering the land. And finally the death of Egypt's firstborn. The Lord was swift and mighty. He made a way where there was no way. He followed them as a pillar of cloud by day and pillar of fire by night. You would think that they would simply believe that God was going to take care of them after all of that in Egypt. But that's not what happened. Instead, they forgot. It was like a sudden case of spiritual amnesia. Suddenly, they completely forgot about the events that they had been celebrating the past few days. Suddenly they forgot about the mighty, delivering hand of God. Suddenly they forgot that they didn't get here by their own hand, that it was the very presence of God that led them out of Egypt and brought them to this place. All of the provision and power of God, all the delivering grace of God, all the miraculous intervention of God, all of it was forgotten because they were consumed in their present crisis. And if we were to be honest with ourselves, we're not all that different than the Hebrews of old. I love you people, how transparent you are. It's easy for us to sit here after reading the miraculous plagues that took place and all the things that God did. It's easy for us to go, what is their deal? How do you not figure this out? I mean, frogs coming out of the river. Hailstorm. How do you not get this? It's easy to pass judgment simply because they forgot the goodness of God in the moment of their trial. It's easy to judge them simply because of the first sign of trouble. They completely forgot the significance of the pillar of cloud that hovered over them at their camp. But how often do we do the same thing? How many times have we allowed the trials of our faith to completely consume our mind? We can get so preoccupied with worry and doubt, all because we fail to remember that he's never let us down. He's never failed to deliver us. He's never failed to make a way where there was no way. And yet we can get so preoccupied that we forget what the Lord has already done in our lives. We completely forget the delivering hand of God. But let me remind you this morning that our God does not change. He does not change. He is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he has done before, he will do again. He is a healer. He is a deliverer. He is a way maker. He is a promise keeper. 
He is a truth speaker. Never forget what God has done for you. Amen. Our memory is incredibly important to us. Everything we learn is the result of memory. We have the capacity to remember what we've seen, what we've experienced, and what we've learned, and we apply it to our future situations. Our memory provides the experience that guides us into unfamiliar places. But it's the trials, hear me now, it's the trials that consume us at times and we get spiritual amnesia. And suddenly we forget our past. And when we forget our past, it creates chaos in our present and uncertainty in our future. What happened on the banks of the Red Sea was a tragic illustration of the way Satan attacks the child of God. And I want you to watch this now. The moment that their faith was challenged, they forgot more than just the miraculous provision of God. They literally forgot how bad life really was in Egypt. They forgot the heartache and the pain. They forgot the sting of the whip and the heat of the sun. They forgot the horrors of slavery and the terror of bondage. They literally forgot the chains. Exodus 14, 11 through 12 says, And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is it not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. Suddenly, their faith was tried. They began to reminisce about the good old days back in Egypt. They forgot about the slave masters and the forced labor. They forgot how their lives were made bitter with hard labor, making bricks and mortar and working in the fields. They forgot the misery. They forgot the pain. They forgot the terror of the ones who would snatch their children from their grasp. How do you forget that? How do you forget that? Uh, in ancient Greece, there were professionals that were trained in the art of persuasion. And they were called, I might be wrong how I pronounce this, sophists. Could be sophists. But this was a very specialized talent, if you will, in ancient Greece, where these men and women were specialized in putting a friendly face on a foul matter. They were the masters of deception. Kind of like modern day Washington. Um, it was their job to make the worst choice appear to be the best choice. And that's how the devil works. He specializes in glamorizing the bondage, making the chains appear to be freedom. And the sorrow appears to bring lasting joy. He knows that when you're marching out of Egypt under the protecting cloud of God's holy presence, that he's not able to convince you to turn back. So he waits. He lets the new wear off. He lets the difficulty of the journey settle in. And then when you're tired and when you're weak and you're weary and when you're distracted, that's when the trial comes upon you and distracts, and tugs away. 
Pentecost, we call that the Holy Ghost honeymoon. I remember when I got the Holy Ghost. Man, I think I walked in the seventh heaven for weeks. I felt like I could lay hands on anybody and they'd be healed. I said, Bishop, I'm ready to preach. I'm ready to go. It was awesome. Church family, praise, worship, hopping around. Looked like Ernie up there doing the Tigger thing many times. <laughs> Loved God. And then the trial came. Okay, God, I know you got this. I've read it in your word. You got this. But then the trial doesn't go away. Hello? I'm a repentant, baptized in Jesus' name, Holy Ghost-filled apostolic warrior. Hello? Got a little issue down here. Nothing. Is that not? I said earlier that the trials were to bring glory to God. And sometimes they're pretty tough trials. Amen, sisters? Sometimes they're pretty tough trials. Amen. But God hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't forgotten about you. He's growing you right now. He's stretching you right now. But you got to remember that. you got to remember your experiences. you got to remember those victories. Because that's what gets you through the trial. Holy Ghost honeymoon. I wonder if that'll stick. Matthew 4, 1 through 3. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Verse 2. That first word. After. After. Everybody say after. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Verse 3, oh, and the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Man, there's a lot of talk to stones today. <laughs> but notice that it says after. After. Hmm. After what? 40 days of prayer and fasting. I remember when Bishop was on, I think he's done two of 40 days, and this was the second one, and he walked in to the bank location, I don't remember where it was, but he walked in, and, he, and it must have been winter, and he had his winter coat on, and I was looking for Bishop somewhere in that winter coat. <laughs> I, he lost a lot of weight on that fast. But he walked in, and you could tell. I think he was on day 39, 38 of his 40-day fast. And he very, you know, he wouldn't mind me telling. I mean, he, it was tough, right? 40 days, no food, right? No food. But I remember he sat down in front of me, and he said, God is my strength. 
He is my strength. Mm. Mm. But he never forgot all those things that came before. So that when he got to the trial, because I guarantee you the devil was working on him. I guarantee you that. He will wait to your weakest moment. And that's when he attacks. That's the enemy's playbook. Satan knows that when you're in your right mind, there's no hope of convincing you to go back to the chains. There's no hope of convincing you to trade freedom for bondage. But in your weakness, when the weight of the journey is starting to wear you down, that's when he strikes. That's when your old addictions begin to rear their ugly heads. That's when your former life suddenly doesn't look so bad. That's when old friends and old habits begin to reassert themselves in your life. Brothers and sisters, that doesn't happen by chance. Mm. Whatever you do, when those moments come, when those trials are there, don't forget the chains. Don't forget the chains. Don't forget the sting of the bondage that once held you captive. Don't forget the reason for the tears that you cried the night that God delivered you from your sin. Whatever you do, don't ever forget the chains. When they said it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians, they forgot what it was really like in Egypt. They forgot that it was their desperate cry that caused God to send Moses into the first place. They might have remembered the momentary pleasures, the warm bread, and the few trivial, joy, trivial joys of life, but they forgot the beatings. They forgot the sorrow. They forgot the pain. And most of all, they forgot the despair. Whatever you do, don't forget the chains. Sin was never your friend. Your bondage was never a blessing. Don't let Satan convince you that life is a whole lot better back in Egypt because it's not. Can I get an amen? Can you just lift your voice and praise him for a moment? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, this rings so true when I think back to, and I'm sure you guys see the same thing in recovery, right? Kyle and Candace, you remember. You remember those dark times, right? You remember. But God delivers. God is faithful. God has a purpose. God has a plan for each one of you. Amen? The trials bring glory to God. The enemy has a singular desire, and it's to put you in bondage, the bondage that God delivered you from. And he knows that the only way to do it is to cause you to forget the chains. It wasn't like the terror of Egypt was a distant memory. They'd only been gone three days. Three days. I don't even think the scars healed by then. They forgot to change before the wounds of the whip had barely begun to heal. And how does that happen? It happened because they were overwhelmed by their present circumstances. They couldn't see their blessings because they were so consumed in their trials. The enemy still works that way. 
John 10 and 10, the thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy. He overwhelms your senses with a very present struggle, then appeals to your flesh to escape to sin. That's how he works. That's what he does. I can guarantee you that temptation will stalk you the moment weariness and weakness sets in. When the cares of life overwhelm you and leave you weary and weak. When depression rears its ugly head and sucks the joy from your life. When you find yourself all alone and the isolation robs you of your security and your sense of self-worth. These are very real. Can I get a witness? These are very real moments in our life that no one likes to talk about. And yet it is really there all the time. It's at these low points when the enemy of your soul engages in sophistry. Making the bad things look good. And he begins to lure you back to the chains. Never forget that the worst day in the wilderness never trumped the best day in Egypt. I'm going to say that again. Never forget that your worst day in the wilderness was better than your best day in Egypt. Don't forget what it feels like to be lost in despair and utterly without hope because of sin's bondage. Don't forget the chains. It was a grumbling spirit that got a hold of them. Mm. They began to murmur and complain about their situation. Hell loves a pity party. Because the enemy of your soul knows that if he can get you to begin to murmur and complain, he's got you right where he wants you. Let me tell you what you need. You need to thank the Lord in the midst of your trial. You want to know how to overcome depression? Refresh yourself in the joy, in the joy, in the joy of the Lord. Things may not be going my way. Clear skies might not be around me. There may not be calm seas, but devil, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I may feel done. I may feel alone. I may feel isolated, but I'm just going to remind myself that this place is not my home. I'm a stranger. I'm a pilgrim. I don't belong here. I'm just passing through. My treasure is laid up somewhere beyond this present place. Woo! Come on now. Woo! The storms of this life are temporary things. But the grace of God is everlasting. The trial will pass. God will not abandon you. He loves you. Don't let that grumbling spirit get a hold of you.
the Hebrew children said, were there not enough graves in Egypt? If Egypt is known for anything, it's known for its places of burial. It's identified by the pyramids, which were burial chambers. That's what Egypt is. But now the trial causes the Hebrews to see a place called freedom as a place of burial. Can I tell you, God didn't bring you to this place or that place to abandon you and to leave you and have you figure it out and just walk away. Sister Becky said it great. God is right beside you. He's right here beside you. Egypt is the graveyard. This is a place of deliverance on this coast. And your present trial doesn't change any of that. God brought you here to deliver you from death, not to kill you. When that old murmuring spirit gets a hold of you, you better watch out because the enemy of your soul is measuring you up for a fresh carnal temptation. You need to shake that negative spirit off. Shake it off with some Holy Ghost. Shake it off with some Holy Ghost fire. Remind yourself of the goodness of God. Remind yourself that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Remind yourself that he still delivers. Remind yourself he is the great I am. Remind yourself that he is a healer. Remind yourself he is my peace. He is my joy. Hallelujah. Oh, can we just praise him right now? Why don't you all stand? I'm going to come to a close here. On the battlefields of Texas, it was the rallying cry of the troops. Remember the Alamo. In a different generation on the rocky islands of the Pacific, a similar cry issued forth. Remember Pearl Harbor. Yet again, in the desert sands of Afghanistan, soldiers rallied around the cry to remember the Twin Towers. Sometimes the source of our greatest sorrow becomes the rallying cry that leads us to greater victories. That's really good. That's really good. Sometimes the source of our greatest sorrow becomes the rallying cry that leads us to our greatest victories. Hmm. I want to challenge you this morning in the midst of your trials don't forget the chains don't forget what God has done to you I look out right here I see so many testimonies I know a lot of your stories I know where you have been God is good don't forget the chains don't don't forget the heartache and the pain Don't forget the sorrow and despair. Remember how the Lord has delivered you. Don't toss the towel in. Don't fall for that strategy of that old wily serpent. We got God that lives inside of us. We have the power of God that lives inside of us. John 1, 1 John 4 and 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because He who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. I want to open this altar up this morning.
I know a lot of pastors and teachers and ministers will say, I don't know where you're at this morning. I really don't know where you're at this morning. But if you're human, if you're a saint of God, you got a big bullseye on you. Devil's got an eye on you. We can overcome, but it doesn't always make it easy. Because sometimes God, like I said, wants to stretch your faith and have you walk for a season through that trial. So I'm going to open this altar this morning. If you're going through trials, if you're going through tough times, just God already knows where you're at. But he wants to hear you tell him. He loves when you talk to him. He loves when you cry out to him. He loves when you pour it all out on him. That draws. There's a drawingness in this. Because God just wants to heal. He just wants to touch. He just wants to deliver. But we understand that he does it in his time. And that all things work together for good. Hmm. I'm going to open this altar up right now. Lord Jesus, God, you know what is on the heart of each individual here, the trials they face, the sorrows, maybe the trials of health, the trial of finance, the trial of relationships, the trial of relationships with children. God, but you already know in advance what that trial is but God I would ask that this morning for those that are going through a tough time right now that you would strengthen them oh God I pray for Holy Ghost faith to well up inside of them to know that you are a deliverer you are a way maker give them the peace that passes all understanding give them joy Lord God because all things are going to work for your glory, God. It's all about you, God. Touch, touch this church this morning, Lord Jesus. I pray this in your mighty name, in Jesus' name, amen. I love you, Lord.